Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings are from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 17, verses 22 through 24, and from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. My sermon is titled, The House of the Forest. You'll find the link to our complete announcements in your email. Here are two highlights. This Wednesday, the 16th, we will have a simple service of prayer chants in candlelight in the style of Taze. Join us via Zoom at 7.30 p.m. for that. And this Thursday, the 17th, the Anti-Racism Working Group is meeting via Zoom at 7 p.m. If you're interested, reach out to Nick Endress for more details. And now, in preparation for worship, you're invited to quiet yourself, becoming still, as you prepare to worship God.
us pray. Creator of redwoods and snapdragons, starlight and sand, we live in your creation, yet we see only a part of its beauty. We try to know you through each other, but we are often blinded by self-interest and self-protection. Forgive us when we do not perceive your gracious presence. Help us to discover the depth of your generous nature. Enable us to reflect the love with which we are surrounded as you scatter seeds of newness in and among us. And now in silence, we continue in prayer to you. God dwells not on our mistakes, but on our beauty. Freeing us from our fears. Restoring us to ourselves. Remembering us into wholeness. As we find new life in Christ. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen.
A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 17, beginning with the 22nd verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God, we give you thanks for these ancient words. Open our hearts and minds that we might hear your word for us this day. Amen. Thus says God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of a cedar. I will set it out. I will break off a tender one from the topmost of its young twigs. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it in order that it may produce boughs and bear fruit and become a noble cedar. Under it, every kind of bird will live. In the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. All the trees of the field shall know that I am God. I bring low the high tree. I make high the low tree. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, your God, have spoken. I will accomplish it. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, beginning with the 26th verse. He also said the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. 
He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It, it is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and puts forth large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in the shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, and as they were able to hear it, he did not speak to them except in parables, and he explained everything in private to his disciples. Here ends the reading. We are in the peak of garden season. Something beckons us, and we find ourselves strolling through winding paths and delighting in the active sounds of birds rustling, the wafting scents of roses finishing, and the surprising colors of perennials, revealing carefully planned layers, now let loose with billows bobbing and weaving, uninhibited, like a toddler running downhill. We are like bees to pollen, wired to draw near and leave with a little garden magic on our wings. As a species, we have been collecting, growing, multiplying plants for over 10,000 years. Scholars of horticulture say this is what started civilization. Gardening enabled us to establish stable centers of living that eventually became cities and countries. We cultivated plants for food, for clothing and building materials, for herbs and medicine, and for the simple pleasure of beauty. In the ancient Near East, we read of royal gardens. Kings like Solomon built elaborate orchards and aromatic oases. Among the great spoils of war were the seeds and cuttings taken from trees and plants of other lands. The Assyrian king Tiglath-Pileser I, ruling in the second millennium BCE, recorded his achievements on stone inscriptions, saying, I took cedar, box tree, and canish oak from the lands over which I had gained dominion. Such trees as none among previous kings, my forefathers, had ever planted, and I planted them in the orchards of my land. I took rare orchard fruit, which is not found in my land, and filled the orchards of Assyria. And continuing in this tradition, describing himself as both a conquering hero and a joyful squirrel, the 9th century BCE king of Assyria, Asur Nasir Pal II, had this inscribed. I dug out a canal from the upper Zab, cutting through a mountain peak, and called it Abundance Canal. I watered the meadows of the Tigris and planted orchards with all kinds of fruit trees in the vicinity. I planted seeds and plants that I had found in the countries through which I had marched and in the highlands which I had crossed, pines of different kinds, cypresses and junipers of different kinds, 
almonds, dates, ebony, rosewood, olive, oak, tamarisk, walnut, terebinth, and ash, fir, pomegranate, pear, quince, fig, grapevine. The canal water gushes from above into the gardens. Fragrance pervades the walkways. Streams of water as numerous as the stars of heaven flow in the pleasure garden. Like a squirrel, I pick fruit in the garden of delights. Along with the royal orchards, vegetable potagers, and medicinal spices and herbs were also temple gardens, where it was believed the gods liked to stroll. Not unlike the story of Eden, where God walked among the trees. Indeed, there are stories that predate the one found in Genesis, stories of a Mesopotamian goddess who lived in part of a tree, which became known as the Tree of Life. When Solomon set about building his royal palace and the nearby temple of Yahweh, he used the cedar of Lebanon. Within the palace was an incredibly large room made to the standard dimensions of a sacred space. Filled with gold spears and shields, some say this was another much larger temple for worshiping other gods, which as the story goes, is his downfall. This room became known as the House of the Forest of Lebanon. So, over three centuries later, when Israel's King Jehoiakim is taken into exile along with other members of the upper echelon, Ezekiel, just a few verses before our reading, describes Nebuchadnezzar as the great eagle who comes to the Lebanon range and seizes the top of the cedar, plucking it off its most topmost bough, the monarch, and carrying it off to the land of Babylon. Ezekiel then goes on to reference other failed alliances made back and forth between kings of Israel and Assyria, Egypt, and Babylon, resulting in more death and more exiles. Eleven years after Jehoiakim's exile, Jerusalem is destroyed and the temple along with it. But in the midst of all of this, Ezekiel is, and likely the people as well are, wrestling with why this has all been happening. Before Jerusalem fell, the people still living there thought that perhaps they were the chosen ones, protected by God, and that the early exiles, which included Ezekiel, were being punished. Ezekiel responded by suggesting, instead, that it was the early exiles who were being saved from the full force of God's fury to come. Once Jerusalem did fall, who was to blame? Do the people now living carry the sin or righteousness of their forebearers? Ezekiel's answer, no. And what is to come of Israel and the royal house of David? So comes God's response. 
as the great eagle had done before, God will take a tender twig, a cutting from the crown of the cedar, and will plant it once more in the lofty highlands of Israel. And there it shall grow anew into a lofty cedar, bringing shelter in an abundance for every bird of every feather. Just when all hope seemed to be lost, when the house of the forest had been razed to the ground and the temple of Yahweh destroyed, the sprig of cedar is recovered and planted again. In all of the ancient garden stories, mixed in with the mastery of aqueducts and connoisseurs building up treasuries of plants, there are seeds of mystery, something left up to the earth, to the gods. A seed, as Mark's Jesus tells it, is planted in the ground and sprouts and grows, unfurling a stalk and eventually a full grain. The gardener does not know how. And the smallest of seeds can grow into the greatest of all shrubs, offering protection beneath its branches. Ordinarily, in the ancient Near East, gaining more than what is expected is considered stealing. But in the garden, abundance is the gift of God. After all the wars and destruction that the people of Ezekiel and of Mark lived through, they are invited to return to the garden and to trust the life taking root in the soil. Perhaps you have experienced this. In a well-cared-for garden, just before any green shoots have made their way up through the soil, there is something in you that knows they are about to start sprouting. Nothing has happened yet. The seeds are still hidden beneath the earth but it's going to. Whether it's experience or something you can somehow sense as a living being, you know it. It feels different. The soil sounds different. The stillness is different. It's what draws us to the garden, to something living. When I imagine the house of the forest and the ancient temple gardens where the gods liked to stroll, I find myself returning to an old Celtic chapel. Behind the houses, down a long dirt road, a rooster walks, unbothered by the trickle of townsfolk making their way to the small chapel. Its interior is filled with the sweet imperfection of novice artisans. Their human touch remains visible through comfortably mismatched carvings and inconsistently sized pillars. Seeing evidence of the human hand that was once present, that remains present in that chapel, is captivating. But somehow just as mesmerizing is the space outside of the chapel, an ancient tree once worshipped, still living, still incredible, like something out of a book, 
How is this tree, so different from the rest, with so much personality, here in this same time and space next to me? In the distance is a road trailing off to nowhere, lined with cathedral trees. Where is the chapel meant to be? Outside? Inside? Down the road? In another time? Another place? Yet here? All of here? Something beckons us to draw near. The human and their humanness. The trees in their treeness. The rooster in his roosterness. In all of our efforts in proficiency, whether in righteous living or in parenting or in canal building or in any number of things, we are invited to return to the garden, to the mystery living there, and to trust the life taking root in the soil that we too might remember the delight of the squirrel. We believe in God who continually does new things and invites us to participate in this creativity. We believe in Christ who teaches us to let go of the familiar so we can embrace and serve God's new creation. We believe in spirit who guides our thoughts and actions, enabling us to release the results of our work to God. This we believe. Amen. Thank you.
Let us pray. What kind of soil are we, Holy Spirit? What kind of soil have you made us to be, O God? Path after path seems to tempt us to let your seeds of wisdom and love glance off of us and be consumed before we even notice them. There is so much rocky ground around us and thorns that feel impenetrable. We are so vulnerable to the scorching demands of life and the many pressures that can leave us feeling breathless. For those times of doubt and exhaustion, we pray your spirit breathed into us and a dousing of love beyond measure and your hope secure and strong in our hearts. For the world around us, your incredible creation, we also pray health and healing in its time of need. For all your peoples, we pray peace, deep and lasting. Let us embrace you and your light to guide us fully, joyfully, wholly. Let us continue now in silent prayer. We make this prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. See the goodness of our God in the land of the living. 
Go forth and listen to what beckons you, like the squirrel picking fruit in the garden of delights. grace of God, the peace of Christ, and the power of the Spirit be with those who work or watch or weep this day. May God tend the sick, give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, and shield the joyous. Amen. Amen.